for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall be one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee in morality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside of the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your body, glorify God in your body. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I ask that uh, it would be you who would teach this day. That the power of your spirit and your people would sear this on our hearts. Father, we would draw upon things above the wisdom of existence as the guide to our lives. Father, let the distractions that plague us in this world be cut loose as we may now draw upon the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, as we may now seek your kingdom, your righteousness, as we may now draw upon the word of truth. And Father, I just ask that each heart is prepared to hear, that each heart is set for the joy of what you are giving, and that, Father, that each heart will draw upon you and you alone. Father, please help us. These are evil days. Evil men grow worse and worse. And Father, I ask for the protection of your saints. Father, may this time be that that will draw you closer to your praise, to your glory in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. I entitled this section, A Christian's Freedom. And the reason is, is that verse 12 is freedom in Christ. What is that freedom in Christ? I see a lot of people today who propagate a freedom, who, who claim that they're selling a freedom. If you do this, you'll be free. If you make X number of dollars, you'll be free. If you marry such and such a person, you shall be free. If you have a certain education, you shall be free. Um, if you're in a certain country, you shall be free. And yet what has happened is this very thinking, this philosophy, this wisdom of man has... Uh, for all intents and purposes, been bought a hook, line, and sinker, lock, stock, and barrel by the church. The church bases its freedom, bases its success on what the world would dictate. And yet he comes out of verse 12 and says, I will not be mastered by anything. Do we understand what that means to be mastered by anything? Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary bought our freedom. He bought a freedom that is supernatural. He bought a freedom that the child of God living in that freedom 
will attract people. It is a freedom of our mind. It is a freedom of responsibility. Is it a freedom to live in the wholeness and the fullness of fellowship with he who spoke existence into being? That's amazing. We were created to fellowship with God. The only way a human being can be free is to fellowship with God. And anything that I do to hinder that relationship cuts down on my freedom. And what is yet still so sad and tragic today, there are many in the body of Christ today who have a very good understanding of Scripture and yet have no idea what freedom is. Some of those people, Jesus has warned, will be tares sown in among the wheat. They are people who claim to be saved, and yet they're not. They have a good theology. They may be active in the things of God, and yet their very life is a life of bondage. There are others who are in the church who are indwelt by the person of the Holy Spirit, have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, have a true saving faith, and yet the world has them bound up. They are ineffective for the things of God. Uh, they have set their, thing, their minds on the things of the world. And in doing that, they have gone back to their old ways. And I'm not talking about full-blown sin. I'm talking about I have a bigger concern over how much money I will make. I have a bigger concern over uh, the stock market and where is my retirement. And how far am I from retirement and how much time do I need to retire? Uh, and then when I retire, what shall I do? And they become preoccupied with the things of this world that are temporal, that are fleeting. Younger people are looking at their education and they say, I need to accomplish this. I need to accomplish this. I must have this class. I must have this accomplishment. Therefore, I can be what? Bound to the world, tied to the world. And this is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. Uh, I have done a lot of historical uh, referencing into Corinthians. You will see that in the next a uh, few months as we go through this because there's a lot of stuff here that is so uh, practical for today. This book is amazing to me because in its theological side, it is very thin. And dealing with the person of God, there's not a lot of information here. The book of, actually both books to the Corinthians are practical books. Okay, in light of this theology, and I think about you and I who have labored together for the years. Did you realize that in June, I will celebrate my 10th year as the senior pastor? That's just amazing to me. I don't know about you guys, but uh, 10 years. And I think about what we've been through in 10 years. We started off with 1 Peter, then we went to Matthew. Uh, then we went from Matthew to 2 Timothy. We went from 2 Timothy to Hebrews. Um, and so on and so forth. And, and, and I think about other things. I've, I've led a number of precept classes through Romans and Revelations and Daniels. And on Wednesday night, we're doing the T books, the Thessalonian letters. Uh, uh, we come together for prayer. I've taught on prayer. I've taught on the body of Christ. And all the things that we've gotten and all the things that we've dealt with, I've dealt with Old Testament, I've dealt with New Testament. I, I took uh, forever to go through Genesis 1. <laughs> And praise God that he did it in six days because it was going to take me an eternity. Uh, and and just, just stuff like that. And as I look at that, we who have labored together for those 10 years, some of us have been together longer than that. I think about 
uh, Willie, Willie and I became elders at the same time. And uh, that was under uh, Al Jerome. And we've been elders for uh, almost 15 years. Uh, I've been in this church since 1983. And I think about what we've exposed to, what we have studied, what we have uh, battled through. And then we come to a book like 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians can be summed up, and it is just flat out looking at your personal holiness, my personal holiness. In light of what we've been through, what do we do? And that's what we're looking at. Verse 12 says, I don't want you to be mastered. And then he gives illustration. Food is for the stomach. The stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. We have uh, perverted what God has designed. It was by an inherent nature. We inherited from our father, Adam. And that through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, some of us have understood, have become spiritually alive to the things of God. You know, I read this verses, these verses 13 through 20, and there are three and only three purposes for your body and my body. Our bodies, what we use, what we, we carry around. Uh, we like to say that um, our bodies carry us around, but the truth of the matter is I believe that many of us are carrying around our bodies. Um, and and I, I think that you'll see that. Um, there has uh, become a perversion of what we do with our bodies. Think about some of the things that we've done. I see people spend extraordinary amounts of time exercising and, and keeping their body. Um, I don't know what they're doing with it. It looks to me like they're abusing it. I'm of the Mickey Mantle philosophy that says, had I known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of it. Um, Paul told Timothy that exercise profits little. <laughs> okay, that's one of my great verses. I love that verse. It has little profit. Okay, yes, there's some profit. But remember, little profit. And yet, how many times do we allow our bodies to master us? Think about it. This context is dealing with sexual sin. You look down there and you will see in verse 13, yet the body is not for immorality. The word there is porneia. It's where we get pornography from. And it's, it's, it's sexual sin. Anything sexual sin. And he uses an illustration here that I have heard on a normal basis. Food is for the stomach. Some of your translations will say belly. Okay, and it's literally the digestive tract is what he's referring to. And it says that food is for eating. Food is for eating. Okay, and God gave you a, a system in your body. Uh, not only that, um, you have to. It's biological. If you don't eat, you will eventually die. Okay, so there is a natural thing that goes on with your body. That is, food is for the body. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. And he says, but, and the stomach is for food. I mean, the reason that you have that stomach is for what? Taking in food, digesting it and using it for the energy and that biological process that we keep functioning. Okay? 
And yet he makes an amazing statement. God, verse 13, God will do away with both of them. Think about that. Both of them. God will do away with food and the natural need for food. He's going to do away with both of them. God is going to destroy the stomach, the digestive system. Okay? What is he getting at here? I mean, he just comes out of that. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Uh, he's coming out of a, a thing on lawsuits that basically says, actually, then, if you're suing one another, actually, then, you're already defeated for you, and you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged and defrauded? Why not just give it all? Just don't worry about litigation. What in the world is the Apostle Paul dealing with? Well, he's dealing with a society that uh, promoted sex. Promoted sex. The other thing you have to understand is, is that in, in the time of the writing of the letter of Corinthians, most of the people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ would have been slaves. Slaves were considered tools. Okay? If I was a slave and uh, was under a master and there, he had a female slave that was there and say I fell in love with that slave uh, as, as a child of God, I would choose to make her my wife. Uh, we could be married and perhaps even my master would allow us to have a relationship between man and woman. But if it came to a point in time that that master decided to sell me or my wife, I had no say in it. Okay, and uh, he could split up the marriage without um, any problem whatsoever. What is happening, what had happened to the church in Corinth is the same thing that happens in the church here. Okay, we have in our mindset that the act of sex is a natural body function. Okay. The Apostle Paul says it is not. But science has proven that there is a drive that exists in man and woman. You know, we, you hear about it. Uh, what is that when the kids get? Uh, I can't remember what they call it. Puberty. There you go. All right. We hit puberty and everything just gears up. Okay. I'm sure that unless you have been asleep. For the last month, you've heard that uh, there are some problems that see you bolder. Okay? And I'm still stunned with it. I went to college. I understand what college is about. And I'm thinking, you just figured this out? <laughs> I mean, huh? <laughs> Am I naive or what? Um, and, and yet we have it that it's, the concept is, and I found myself saying, well, when kids go to college, that's natural. It's normal. It's what happens is that same mentality you carry in to the church when you come become a believer in Jesus Christ. It becomes sex is a natural function. It is just something that the body does. Okay? Paul is saying, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. 
Paul says, not only that, I can prove it to you. Look at verse 14. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us. Got that? Got that? Everybody grab a hold of that yet? God will raise us in his power. What does that mean? You know why your body is different when it comes regard to food versus sex? Someday, your body is going to be raised up. All right? Do you understand this? I, I, I struggle with how do I explain the unexplainable? Well, have you ever heard... Uh, The competitive nature, the competitive attitude. Some of you do, the rest of you are asleep. Um, We have inherent in us certain things that make us who we are. Okay, Uh, I am kind of a competitive person uh, by nature, by who I am, by what makes me tarry. Uh, I, I am unique, completely unique from anybody else. There are people who may have a competitive nature, uh, but it won't be the same as mine. Okay, um, I have uh, personality uh, things that that people find humorous at times. I love classical music. Okay, and people say what? I do. I love classical music. Okay, but last night I went and seen the Newsboys. Okay, I wouldn't classify them as classical, um, but. Well, how can you go basically rock and roll and classical? That's the difference between me and, and some others. I like bluegrass. Okay? Um, I don't like rap. Rap is not music. Okay? I don't care what anybody says. I've listened to it. I've watched it. I've seen it on paper. It is not music. I'm not sure what its classification is, but I know for a fact that it's not music. Uh, I think it's um, sort of poetry on steroids uh, is, is my best conclusion. Um, it's, uh, that's all I can understand. But see, now, if you like rap, you're saying, well, I just don't believe that he doesn't like. And it's, listen, it's not music. I've seen it. Okay. You can't put notes to it. Okay. Ask yourself a question. I can take rock music, I can take bluegrass music, I can take classical music, and I can play it on a piano. You can't play rap on a piano. Okay? And that's just the way I always look at it. So there's a difference between me and and many people. And actually there's a difference between me and all people. Okay, now don't laugh because there's a difference between you and all people. You are completely unique. Okay. Do you understand that that uniqueness that makes you the person that you are is not a temporal commodity? It's not temporary. It's an eternal commodity. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Now watch this. Okay, he says, stomach is for the food. But God will do away with both the food and the digestive processes. Okay? We are going to receive heavenly bodies 
that will not have need of eating. Okay? Do you understand that needy, uh, eating today is necessary? All right? In the heavenly body, it is not necessary. All right? And if you really wanted to look at it, eating in the heavenly body will solely and wholly be for one purpose, one purpose only. Pleasure. That's all it's for. Pleasure. Your own pleasure. But you know what? You don't have to do it. There's no purpose for it. Why? What causes the body to die? Sin. What causes the body to have to eat? Sin. All right? If I have a heavenly body, where is the presence of sin? Non-existent. So what do I have to do? There you go. All right? All I'm going to do is glorify God. All right? Yet in that heavenly body, the uniqueness of who you are will be manifest. The uniqueness of Brandon will be manifest. Of, of Dave and Dee will be manifest. It will be seen. Okay? I don't know what it looks like. Okay? I don't know if, you're, if everybody's 6'6", six, six or I don't know how that works. I mean, we all may be four foot and five feet wide. I don't know. But whatever it is, we will all only be perfect. Okay? See, you have in your idea what perfect looks like. I have in my idea what perfect looks like. And God says, do you need one of you right? Okay? I mean, we all may be midgets. I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know what it looks like. And everybody can say, well, we'll be as Christ. I don't know what that looked like. Okay? I don't buy the pictures, the, the long hair, the beard. Uh, I remember a professor one time told me that in heaven, everybody will be 33-year-old males. And I thought, who would want to go to heaven? <laughs> I mean... Yay! <laughs> Give me. And have you told your wife that? <laughs> um, I have since come to the conclusion that he's wrong. Um, because there is, each person in this room is an individual. Right? God created you a specific way with specific likes and dislikes, abilities, um, talents, uh, things that uh, my wife loves the ocean. Okay. I like the ocean for about 30 minutes and then I'm done. I mean, yeah, I don't mind warm, but I mean, the sand is just gets everywhere and, and it's ocean and the water tastes salty and, and you can't see your feet and you don't know when you're about to get eaten or anything like that. So, you know, and, and I mean, the waves come in and out and I can see that for about 10 minutes and say, <laughs> Consistent, ain't they? <laughs> okay. Um, I like waterfalls. I like the mountains. Uh, my, one of my most favorite places in the world is subalpine tundra. I love that. Uh, to see God growing stuff in such a hostile environment. Uh, I, I just love it. I love the colors that are there. Uh, I love, uh, if you've never seen Alpenglow, that morning uh, sunlight that can come through high elevation where there's very little um, ultra, ultraviolet comes through in such a way that you can see it and it gives a, a, much a, a peach pink hue to everything. Uh, I like that and it changes and it's always changing and that's the kind of person that I am. 
The Apostle Paul is telling us that food is for eating and it is necessary for that eating. The digestive process is there and all of that will cease. But the body, your total being, that that makes you up in the flesh, that will be glorified. It will be transformed into the heavenlies. A heavenly transformation is going to take place. And his argument here is speaking of your body. How many of us ever think about our bodies? We do when the bugger gets uh, cranky, doesn't we? You know, it wakes up with some little virus thing and the body says, I don't care what you think you're going to do. Or we get uh, diagnosed with a disease or perhaps um, I'm getting ready to take a great adventure in a couple of weeks and they... I have to do a lot of walking at altitude and do a lot of uh, transportation stuff. And I've got uh, a long flight and all the rest of it. So in my infinite stupidity, I decided I would get into shape. And uh, what was I thinking? Um, So my wife has this wonderful treadmill that I have uh, sacrificed myself on the altar of. And, uh, hey, you know, it's all right, but, you know, I can tell a change. I can tell that I'm closer to 50 than I am 40. <laughs> That's the change that I've noticed. Um, and yet I, I think about, you know, trying to keep myself in shape. Um, those of you who have known me know that I do have a, a disease that eventually will cut my life short. Um, it's irrelevant to me at this point in time. Again, I go back to my Mickey Mantle philosophy. Um, and yet, I, there are biological things that we do, right? Every person here does. Uh, I think about the young people. Uh, they have that uh, seed of invincible. Um, I can do anything. I can conquer anything. And there's never any results to, to what I do. Um, I remember having that mentality. Um, every once in a while, it sneaks in, and I find myself doing something very stupid, um, I was sharing, I was skiing with Brandon a few weeks ago and went through one of those uh, um, terrain parks at Loveland with the brilliant mindset that said, why turn when you can just go straight through it? And uh, so I went right straight through it. And after a great cloud of snow at the bottom, I'm sitting there thinking, what was I thinking? (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I remember... uh, some relatives of mine that I shared, they said, uh, well, you look just like you did the last time that uh, we saw you. And last time I saw these people, uh, my cousins couldn't drive. Uh, they all have children now. So uh, it's been a few years. And uh, I said, yeah, I can do everything I could do when I was 20. It just takes me about 10 years to heal. Um, and I think about that because we have things in our body that we take care of that we must take care of. We have liquid we have to take in. Um, we have to take in fluids. We have to take in uh, food, nourishment, uh, quarter pounders with cheese. Um, notice I didn't call it a food or nourishment. It's, it's more of a space thing. It takes up space, makes me feel full. Um, But I want to show you something. In the next few weeks, we're going to see the three purposes that God has given for your body. Every human being's body is for this. Okay, whether they come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or not. Because understand, the human body, the body that makes up every person today, 
is an eternal being. Okay? Look what he says. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. All right? What he's showing is, is the purpose of the body. Do you see it? The number one purpose for the human body is listed right there in verse 13. The body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? Paul told Timothy to give thanks in what? All things. Then he told the church in Colossae to do what? Everything you do, whether it is eating or drinking, do what? Do as unto the Lord. Okay? Why do you use eating and drinking? Those are the mundanes. Those are the things that you do on a daily basis. And, and, and let's be realistic about it. How often do we put th- thought into it? I mean, I usually eat in the perspective of convenience. Okay, now I don't know how about you, but what is convenient? My time schedule is uh, in a state of flux. It's always in the process of changing. Um, being uh, the condition that I have, I have to eat three times a day, and I have to eat at certain times a day, or I'll become physically sick. Um, and, and not only physically sick, uh, if, if neglected, I can die. Okay? So as I go through my life, I look at, I get up in the morning, uh, I, I try to exercise first thing in the morning, and that's what I mean by that is spiritual. <laughs> okay. I don't want you guys to think I'm a health nut. <laughs> I ask my God, what are you doing and what do I need to be a part of? <laughs> okay, and, and my time in the Word. Uh, most of my early morning is prayer, is, is being sensitive to what He's doing. But then occasionally I do exercise, physically exercise. And then I will have a breakfast. Uh, my day is set before me. I try to figure out, I need to have my lunch somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock every day. Uh, so I always set that up. And so when I'm thinking about my food, I'm thinking about if I have a meeting here or a person that I'm meeting with or something like this, then, you know, drive through windows are a blessing from the Lord. Okay? Um, they're not a blessing the next day when you're trying to run off. You know, those double quarter pounder with cheese, those are the, the devil. Okay? Uh, but uh, he does well with them. Uh, but uh, it, it's stuff like that that, you know, and then in, in dinner, I try sometimes to be home with my family at dinner. Sometimes I try to come back uh, uh, here. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I'm, I'm here and, and I'll go and, and try to do something semi uh, healthy. Um, healthy is a relevant term. Um, and that's how I base my day. How many of us have ever thought about when you're driving down the road eating the uh, I know I'm probably the only one guilty of this, driving around, having the French fries in the seat, got the tilt wheel down far enough that you can drive with your knee, eat fries and put the, okay. See, I'm testing all of your faith. My faith is fine. As if on the body, <laughs> as it went the Lord. And the cheeseburger stays here. Uh, if you were to see me on the road, that's not as bad. I, I got a side footnote here. Yesterday I was coming down here to the office and uh, a lady pulling a 24-foot horse trailer, okay, drinking a Starbucks coffee, talking on the cell phone, driving a stick shift, super duty Ford. 
my faith is not that strong. I part. I will let her go through. But anyway, um, but it's stuff like that. How many times have you ever thought about when you're getting ready to eat? Say, use my illustration of you driving down the road. You're coming from one meeting to another or one person to another. And, and in that process, um, you're thinking about doing it as unto the Lord. But it is. Why? Who owns the body? Look at verse 19. I'll touch on this next week. But look at verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Hmm. It's a pretty interesting phrase, isn't it? Back to 13. He says, I need you to understand that your body belongs to the Lord. Here's the culture that he lived in. Um, Sex was promoted. Okay. Even far more than it is here in America. It's normal operating procedure. Why? Most people, most Gentiles believe that sex was a natural function. It was just something you were supposed to do. I have seen people who say they are getting married and the reason they wanted to get married was... I'm not allowed to have sex outside of marriage. Therefore, I'll get married and I can have sex. Okay, let me give you a a quote from C.S. Lewis in his Screwtape Letters. Okay, I love this quote. Quote, every time a man and a woman enter into a sexual relationship, a spiritual bond is established between them, which must be Eternally enjoyed or eternally endured. Unquote. Did you ever think of it from that perspective? See, Paul says here, flee. Your body is not for immorality. It's not what it's for. Why? There is a spiritual function that happens with your body. And sex is a spiritual union. And it transcends biological. Sex is not mandated for procreation. We have bought that, and that's not what sex is for. It does happen. But if you think that sex, the gift of sex, has been given for the making of babies, you have not read Corinthians. Okay? God says, I'm going to destroy the stomach and food, but your bodies I will not destroy. The body is going to be glorified. It will spend its eternity with Christ. It will do it in a glorified state. It has begun at your conversion. You have the ability at this point to glorify God. Our bodies are not just biological commodities. You need to understand that. Are there biological commodities that happen? Absolutely. There are biological aspects of our bodies. But let me tell you something. Our bodies are far more than that. Okay? Let me see if I can explain it this way. If I go between food and the stomach, I'm looking on a horizontal plane. Okay? Everybody got that? It's a horizontal plane. I'm dealing with the things that are around me, the food that is around me, the stuff that I gather in. God has provided. Okay? My body, my person, 
who I am and the Lord, that is a vertical relationship. Okay? That relationship that is vertical must not be defiled. Because the Lord has said that he wants to present me. God has said he wishes to present me to Jesus Christ, holy, chaste virgin. You got that? Do you realize why you were created? Do you realize why there is the institution that you and I call the church? Go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, I want to talk about before that. Before the beginning came, before they sat down and said, let us make time, space, matter, and force. What was going on? God existed. Jesus Christ existed. The Holy Spirit existed. And God, wanting to show His infinite love to His Son, said, I shall give my Son a bride, a chaste and holy, precious bride for my Son to eternally fellowship with. That is before there was time, that is before there was space. That is before there was matter. And I'll show this to you in Corinthians. We're going to study it. God literally has presented the church to Jesus Christ as a gift to show the Father's love to the Son. Okay, ask yourself a question. What is the church? What does it say in your text? Who is your body for? Who? That would be Jesus. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Who will raise you? And who will you be presented to? Jesus. What are you doing now? Got it? That's uh, amazing to me. I mean, you guys either all understand this, and I'm shocked, or you're asleep. I don't understand it. I, before creation, was picked out to be a love gift from God to His Son. that freak you out? Ah, uh, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> He's going to give you to who? <laughs> It's obvious Jesus doesn't know it. Huh? You must be the gag gift. <laughs> Do you understand why when the Apostle Paul says stomach, uh, food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food, but God's going to do away with both of them, yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body? you understand what he's saying there? To give you a little bit bigger picture. Between the food and stomach is the horizontal plane. Between my person who makes me me. And I'm using it as, a, as self. You use you. Being between you and Christ is a, is a vertical relationship. And you don't defile it. Why? Because God wants to present you to Jesus Christ. Chaste, holy, and pure. A virgin unto his son.
How practical is this, huh? A Christian who commits sexual sin breaks that relationship. Breaks that relationship. Okay? They do not lose their salvation. Please understand, that's not what I'm saying. But they have defiled the relationship between the groom and the bride. Eating and sex, Paul says there's no... Um, there's no... Uh, Agreement that your son, you know, he's, he says, you know, your stomach is made for food, but your body wasn't made for sex. Why? The Apostle Paul will tell you that it is better to stay single. Why? Why is it better to stay single? So you won't have heartache. That's what he says. I don't want you to have heartache. Why? You will have suffering. You'll have divided allegiance. Let me tell you something. If you marry a person who's absolutely sold out to the person of Jesus Christ, you are absolutely one in Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, even with that relationship, your relationship will produce heartache. What happens when one dies? You're going to tell me that doesn't hurt? You can yes, they went to glory. I'm telling you what, the one left behind is going to have heartache, and they'll say, "Well, I, I'm going to trust God." Absolutely, heard a young man on the stage last night at this concert. Very young man said that um, his wife died of cancer very early in their marriage. Think about that. How tough is that? And he says, "How much come we get married? Do we really think?" That you can bring two people together and there's harmony? It don't happen that way. You bring two people who are battling their flesh together, at some point, their flesh will clash. Sometimes it just stays in a state of clash. And that's what Paul is getting at. And he's saying, do you not? That's why he doesn't want a believer. He says it is forbidden for a believer to marry an unbeliever. Why? There is absolute continual heartache. There are two masters in the house. And he's saying that to say that eating being a biological natural process and sex is a biological natural process is insane. It is absurd. Your body wasn't made For sex, it was made for God. And within God's will, sex is included in marriage. In marriage. And I can give you all the jokes. Okay? I mean, two people get married, you better have some sex. Because the rest of it is going to be a pain. Okay? I can give you all of that, the the silliness that is out there. But the truth of the matter is, if you believe you need to get married to have sex, your problem isn't being single. And that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here. He says, let me prove it to you. God raised the Lord, but he will also raise you up in his power. God raised Christ out of the ground, out of the grave. God is going to raise you out of the ground, out of the grave, possibly. 
or possibly you will be caught up in the clouds. Don't defile that which is designed to spend eternity. You cannot say sex is for the body and that the body is for sex. Let me give you another text that I'll prove this, all right? Romans chapter 12. We all know this, right? Don't we? We all understand chapter 12. I urge you, brothers, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, what am I to present? Ow. That's your body. How am I to present it? Living and holy and sacrificial. Okay? If you have sex on your mind, who's not? Why? Now, I I want you to understand something. God has brought the union of marriage together. Please understand the purpose for that union. Okay? It is not to make babies. That isn't what it says. Why was Adam given a woman? To help. What was Adam into? What was Adam about? What was he doing? Worshiping, fellowshipping, and gardening. God gave me a gardener. My wife loves to grow things. I kill things. I do. I remember when we were dating. She would take and go on vacation, go back to see her parents and things like that, and she would come with much prayer, much anticipation. Will you water the plants while I'm gone? (laughs) Knowing it was a death sentence. (laughs) Well, it is. If they need water twice a day, I can just flood the bugger, and I won't have to do it for three days. He says this, present your body as a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable, acceptable, well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of what? Wow. How weird is that? How many of you think worship is music? It's not. It is a holy, living Human body presented to God, well-pleasing. That's worship. That's worship. When I look back at this and I I study this, because there is uh, two things that happens here. One is the spiritual side. One is the physical side. Verse 2 is the spiritual side. Be transformed. Don't be conformed. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world. Okay, how many of you are being pressed into the mold of the world right now? It, it pushes, right? I mean, and it, and it uses a great amount of force. It just gets pushes. And it wants to form you into the cookie-cutter life that represents us. But he says, be transformed. And that's the word you get uh, metamorphosis from. And that literally means its character, its nature changed. Okay, the, the worm, the caterpillar, all right, goes in. And it comes out and looks like what? It don't look like no caterpillar. 
right? So there has been a change. And that's the word that is used there. How does he say do that? Renewing your mind. It's called regeneration. I've got to give it new information. Why? What is the information that you operate on right now? You operate on right now. What is your operating system that makes your body and you present your body wherever you present it? It's the world. It's the world. I see young people, they get to a certain age. I've got my education. I've got my career. uh, I've got this done. I've got this done. Now it's time to marry. Why? Who said that? The world said that. And we bought it. I need to marry now. Um, Dating. Okay, uh, I see young people who struggle with dating. They say, but, you know, I've been in high school, right? I mean, I just started college or something, and, I, and I, I just, you know, I never get a date. Who says you have to date? Who says it? I already told my daughter. I'm still looking for your husband, and when I find him, I'll introduce you. <laughs> it's no problem. Why? Mine's biblical. Okay? And she honors that. <laughs> she better. <laughs> I make another one. Uh, but, but I want you to grab this because look at what we buy into. Look at what we snap into. I'm supposed to do this and this and this and this and this. Based on what? On the world. But if I am literally going to the altar of the Lord God to present this body, this vessel, as a living sacrifice, okay, I want it to be holy. I want it to be acceptable. How will I do that? Renew my mind. How do I do that? Those of you who remember, have been in this church, it's the milk stool thing. The three-legged stool. What? The Word of God. Prayer. The body of Christ. The church. Why? God says, I will build my church. And He also says that I have supernaturally empowered certain people in there for the equipping of the saints. Okay? Equipping is strengthening us. For what? The work of ministry. The work of service. The work that God has Designed. Alright? So I have the Word of God that I feed myself. I have the prayer of God. I commune with God. And I have the fellowship of the saints that strengthens me, protects me, guards me. And not only that, you know what's really cool about it? I can protect and guard and hold others accountable. That's what I like about the body of Christ. Every one of you who are truly saved... Every one of you who are truly saved, you have a supernatural ability that's for me. I like that. God has gifted you for me. He's gifted me. (laughs) We won't go there. (laughs) Right? For somebody. Okay? That's how the plan is. Why do we want to make it more complicated? I I just don't understand that. Well, yeah, I do. Why? Because when I go back to my text in the Corinthian letter, I understand that what the Corinthian church was dealing with is the same thing that the church in America is dealing with. Same thing that this church deals with. 
we have not yet learned that our body is for the Lord. Okay? The vessel that you walk around in is for the Lord. Okay? Not only that, we have forgotten the fact that God is going to raise that body up in resurrection power. That it's an eternal vessel. What is amazing about that is that every man, woman, and child will be resurrected. Some unto glory, some unto condemnation. When I go back to thinking that God, before Genesis 1-1, said that I'm going to use this man, Terry, and he will be part of the gift to show my son my love for him. I really don't even have to look at the rest of it. That's overwhelming. And then when I think about the Christians since Pentecost to today and then however long it takes for our Lord to tarry are all part of that deal, that package deal that God is giving to the Son. Think about it. How trivial are the rest of the things in life? It's that simple. Why? Because I will not be mastered by my body. My body has been bought and paid for with a price. And my body is for the Lord. And he told the church in Colossae, even when you're doing the trivial things, eating and drinking, what do you do? How do you do it? Unto the Lord. Think about that. I'm going to close with that. I want you to think about that. If this is true, my thought processes are for who? My concerns? My plans? That retirement thing I'm thinking about? Yeah, forget it. So, so my, my retirement's out of here. <laughs> okay, there's days I like to retire early. Uh, have you thought about that? I, I want to talk to the kids. Okay? You're in school. Anybody here love homework? Amanda, you're lying. <laughs> She's related to me. I know you're G-Pool. <laughs> homework. Okay? Have you ever thought that what you're doing in your homework you are doing as unto to the Lord? I learned that when my daughter went to school. Uh, her college. He brought them out and the president of the college says, we want to make sure that everything that they do in this college worship, worships God. The focus here is nothing but God. It's God alone. Therefore, when we give them homework assignments and term papers and things like that, they understand that what they're doing is for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, well, I'm glad I didn't go to this college. <laughs> right? Have you ever thought of that? I am a gift from God the Father to God the Son, and everything I do right now is for Him. And any time I intersect that vertical plane... What happens? I have a bad time. I don't know about the rest of you. When I start interrupting that fellowship that my body is for you, okay, 
Guess what? I get uncomfortable all about the rest of it. But my stuff just goes down the toilet. I hear that great flushing sound. See how simple it is? Listen, you are a biological creature. There's things you have to do. Okay? You are bound by gravity. You can't play with gravity. If you treat gravity wrong, gravity will show you who's bigger. Okay? You have to eat. You have to drink. Some of you eat and drink too much. Okay? Why? What's mastering you? You have been bought and paid for with a price. You, right now, the body that you're in, you. What do I use it for? That's what the Apostle Paul's argument is. Why? And we'll look at more of it because you are a member also. Verse 15, and I'll look at that next week. You're members of Christ. You can't separate that. Why? Uh, just think about this, okay? I just showed you some cool stuff, all right? The picture of marriage that you see in Genesis that everybody swoons over, right? You know, the, you shall leave and cleave, right? Ain't that, right? Leave and cleave? Ain't that right? You leave and cleave. I guess it doesn't sound so cool when I say it, does it? <laughs> kind of lost its romance. You ain't been married, have you? Um, <laughs> When you join together, it says, what happens to you? You become one. What does the bride of Christ do? Becomes one. Is this future? It's now. Why do Christians struggle? I bring the philosophy of the world in, and I can't understand why it's not working with the things of God. Why is it that I have my belief and then there's the things of God? See what happens? God says, I don't care what your beliefs are. You don't understand. You are not your own. You have been bought and paid for with a price. That you will be one with my son. And that was my plan before Genesis 1-1. Stomach is for food and food is for the stomach. But don't worry. God's going to do away with it. Your body is for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word. And Father, uh, to know that we who have gathered here this day are gifts until Jesus Christ is still a, I don't understand. Father, renew us daily. Father, guard our minds. Father, I ask for all these people that you will instill in them a supernatural hunger for your word, your ways, your will. Father, may we bow to what you're doing. Father, to think that uh, this earthen vessel with the precious treasure inside is a gift to my Lord and my Savior. I still can't understand that. Father, for the young people who are here, may they understand that their bodies do not belong to themselves. They do not belong to boyfriends. They do not belong to fiancés. Father, that they belong to you and you alone. 
Father, for those who desire the union of marriage, Lord, I ask that you would show them the union of Christ. And if it be your will, bring them a spouse. Father, for us who are married, may we understand that our spouse is that gift from God. And that, Father, as Christ lifts up the bride to present her chaste, holy, and pure, may we who are men do that with our husbands or with our wives. Father, may our wives submit unto their husbands as Christ, as unto Christ. Father, it is a tragic time. It is an evil time. Your world's philosophy is hard to separate from your precious bride. Guard us, keep us, mold us. But Father, most of all, use us up. Pour each and every one of us out as a drink offering. To your praise and glory. In Christ and Christ alone. Amen.